listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. You know, James, obviously, I think I found out that this was happening, that I'd be doing this about Wednesday evening, somewhere around there. Uh, Bulletin was already made, passages were already picked, uh, so it was uh, it was an interesting sermon prep for me. I've never uh, I've never had I've had plenty of times where people give me a passage to preach on, but this one being you know kind of a topical thing. We're talking about discipleship. Um, you know, we got three different verses here, so this is my fir- first time that somebody else had prepared to preach on. A topic and given these three verses behind it and they said I know can you preach on it from these exact same verses so hopefully I don't screw this up um, but uh, I know uh, James and Larissa are safely in Arkansas doing what they need to so we're happy uh, that they're there uh, let me pray and we'll look at God's word together Lord, it is a fearful thing to try and handle your word and proclaim it in public. I think about Moses asking to see your face and you said, if you saw my face, the the glory of it would kill you. So he made him put put his face in the cleft of the rock. And the best he could do without dying was to see a little bit of your glory after you would pass by. Um... This is not a simple thing. This is a, this is an, a matter of eternity here. And I'm not qualified. Um, my only hope is what your word promises, that you strike a straight line with a crooked stick, uh, that you speak through the foolishness of preaching, and that when your word goes out, it does not return void. So I'm staking everything I've got to those promises. Lord, please speak to me, speak through me, speak in spite of me. Uh, We'll be very careful to give you all the glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been with us any of the summer, you know we've been looking at uh, what uh, James calls the habits of grace. Uh, Other places they might call it spiritual disciplines. Um, And we've looked at several of them. Because of the nature of them going out of town when they did, you're going to get two weeks about discipleship. Um, And that's largely because, as James said, when he and I look at a passage, we tend to get different things from it. So he said, you know, I think you can preach on this and it probably won't step on my sermon at all. I said, that's fine. Um, So we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about discipleship some this week and then James is going to talk about it next week. Uh, There's three verses in your uh, in your bulletin there, I say open the Bible, and you're welcome to. But uh, you'd be, you know, kind of turning around to quite a bit there. And I know about you. One of these verses is from First Thessalonians, and those those letters at the end of the New Testament, I can never find. Like once we get sort of to the right of Acts, because they're like two or three pages long in terms of the actual pages in your Bible. It's so for me anyway. It's so hard to get to the right one. So, I'm just, you know, cards on the table. I've got a picture of the bulletin here I'm looking at, so no shame. Uh, Matthew 4.19, 
And he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then we get Matthew 28, 19, the famous Great Commission verse. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, I was looking at this, and I think I think James put those in that order because he wants to wants to kind of go down the logic of the verses, starting at that first one and moving down. That's what I tried to do. So the first thing I looked at was that first verse, Matthew 4.19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, you may know the context of this. This is where Jesus calls the first few disciples. Uh, he is at in, uh, by the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel, a very remote kind of backwater spot. And he sees Peter and James and John and Andrew who are all fishermen. And they're out fishing. And he says... Give up that, come follow me. Um, that's why he uses that phrase, fishers of men. Because they, their understanding of, I mean, they're fishermen for a living. They catch fish for a living. He says, now I'm actually going to be teaching you how to catch people, in a sense. Uh, that sounds kind of creepy when you say it, but I don't mean like catch them to put them in a cage or something like that. Um, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So, the thing that I think is important to see there is the order in which Jesus says the phrases. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. First thing he says is follow me. What I take from that is you have to be a disciple before you can make disciples. A disciple maker and James titled this Disciple Making. A disciple maker has to be a disciple himself. What I think about that is, you've all heard this, when you ever, if you've ever been on an airplane, what do they always say to you about the oxygen mask? Why do they say that to you? That's exactly right. That's exact, you're not going to be any help to anybody else if you don't have yours on. <coughs> That was better said than I, I could have done. Um, so I say that because a lot of people, particularly new Christians, get super excited about the gospel and they want to go out and tell everybody about it and make disciples. And that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. But you really got to take care of your own discipleship first. Um, you know, our, our church is in what's called the Reformed tradition. Uh, Presbyterianism is also called Reformed theology. And when I was in college, which is where I became a Presbyterian, we talked about what was called the cage stage, which is that people would come to know Jesus through some kind of a Presbyterian ministry, some kind of a ministry that preached Reformed theology. And they'd get so excited about that Reformed theology that they'd want to tell every single person about it, and they really didn't do that in kind of the best ways. 
Um, sometimes they could be a little bit overbearing. So we kind of said that you really kind of need to be locked in a cage for a few minutes, for a little while at first, before you just run out and start sharing the gospel with everybody because um, speaking from personal experience, I, I went out and I was very eager to tell everybody what they were doing wrong. And shocking, I know this is a shocking thing, but you don't win a lot of converts by telling people how bad they are. <laughs> At least I did. Maybe if y'all if y'all have, then please tell me about it. But uh, um, the first thing you have to do is be a disciple before you can make disciples. That's the first thing. Um, second, um, well, I looked at that word disciple. It's a Greek word. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pronounce it terrible. It sounds sort of like Matthew. It's like uh, Matteo or Matteo. It's something, you pronounce it somehow like that in Greek. That's the word that we translate as disciple. And if you look at the definition of that word, there's a lot of like scholarly connotations. The idea behind that word is like going to school. Um, that kind of learning. I think that's a helpful thing because one of the things that Jesus is doing when he says, follow me, is he, this is very much, a, a good way to think about that to me is you are being invited to enroll at the University of Jesus. Um, discipleship looks like enrolling at the University of Jesus. Now the difference between the University of Jesus and where I went to school is you never graduate from the University of Jesus. You're always learning. And that's kind of a good thing. You see that sometimes in like good jobs. What do a lot of good jobs make you do? Continuing education. They want to make sure that you're staying up to date on, on knowledge and you're constantly learning. Learning is something we never stop doing. When you enroll at the University of Jesus, when you come to faith, you are going to a place that you're never going to graduate from. And that includes after we die. We're going to not just be worshiping Jesus in all eternity, we're going to be learning about Jesus for all eternity. We're never going to run out of things to learn about the God who made us. That's a really cool thing. Um, so if you take that analogy and kind of keep it, keep it going, you look at the second verse there, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. The idea is you take what you've learned at the University of Jesus and you share it with others. Um, when my sister was in nursing school, her favorite thing to do was to run the lab classes. She was really, really good at running the, the nursing lab classes. And if you think about that, that's, that's, I think that's a pretty good idea of what's going on when we're going out there as people who have learned from Jesus to hopefully help other people learn about Jesus. We're still students, we're not professors. But we have the opportunity to teach the things that we're learning. We have the opportunity to show everybody else the things that we're learning. So the question then is, what are you learning and what are you teaching? Um, well, we get to that in that last verse there. This is kind of the main part of the sermon. The first Thessalonians verse says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. So, what does a disciple maker 
share with people. We are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. You share the gospel, and you share yourself. And those things really kind of work together. Um, so what's the gospel? The gospel is that God loves me with all of the bad stuff inside of me. So much that He was willing to die so I could live. Let me say that again. The gospel is that God loves me even with all the garbage inside of me. So much that He was willing to die for me so I could live. That's the gospel. That's what we share with people. When we ask, you know, do you know, have you heard the gospel? That's what we're talking about. The way that you share that with people is not just telling them those words that I just said. Because just those words won't get you very far. The way we share that with people is that when I understand what God's done for me, when I see what's inside of me, all the nasty, evil things inside of me, and I know that Jesus Christ, who never did anything wrong, saw me as I am, loved me as I was, died for me as I was, so that I could live, and every bad thing that I've ever done is now paid for, that makes me want to give my life away to other people. That makes me want to go around like a beggar telling other beggars where I found food. If the gospel gets inside of you, if the gospel makes an impact in your life, you cannot help but go and share who you are with other people because God fills you up to overflowing so you can pour yourself out into other people's lives. The best way I ever heard this explained was my, my old pastor and my old boss, a uh, guy named Steve Burton. Now he pastors a church down in Selma. He said what, what a discipling person, a disciple maker person looks like is somebody that says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. I'm somebody that wasn't worth much. Jesus loved me enough to die for me. I can't help but want to follow Him after that. Watch me follow Him. Watch me try to, to love Him back. So what if you're not very good at this, right? I don't think many of us are, to be honest. I don't think we have a lot of great disciple makers in our world. We have some. I guess I would say this. Um, if you're doing bad in a class and you ask the teacher, why am I doing bad in this class? I don't know about you, but just about every time I ever asked a teacher that, they told me the same answer, because you need to study harder. When I was in sixth grade, it was the first time in my life I ever made bad grades. Elementary school, didn't try, made great grades. 
got around the middle school, they wanted you to do more stuff. I was used to not having to do stuff, so I just didn't do the stuff. I made terrible grades. My mom, the teacher, came home and let me know exactly what my life was going to be like now. Every day, come home from school, immediately set to doing homework. If I finished my homework before supper, it was study whatever I needed to study until supper. Come downstairs, eat supper. After supper, mom would go upstairs with me, review every little homework thing that was done, spend another 30 minutes making sure she knew all the things I was studying, and then tell me what to study from there to bedtime. Shockingly, shockingly, my grades improved significantly. Because I was studying a whole lot harder. Now, I didn't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> but the effect was the same. So if you ever find yourself in a situation like I find myself often, which is, how am I supposed, I, I don't want to tell somebody, follow me as I follow Jesus, because I don't want anybody to follow me. I don't think my life's worth following. Well, then I probably need to study harder. And what does that look like in the Christian life? The simple things that we've been talking about all summer, these habits of grace, these um, spiritual disciplines, as some churches call them. Read the Bible, come to worship, take the sacraments, have fellowship with other believers. God says that's where life is and that's how you get better. In reading the Bible, coming to worship, taking the sacraments, having fellowship with believers, listening to the preaching of the Word. The God of the universe promises that's where He is. That's where He's going to show up. So just like the kid that studies the hardest... This is going to change you. The great thing about what we, what we have as the church is it's, in some level, radically mundane. You know, we don't, we don't do a lot of... Uh, not, that, not to say that God doesn't do miracles and not to say that there's not miracles every day. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But you're not going to see us casting out too many demons, probably, uh, in our church. Um, I mean, never say never, I guess, but... Uh, <laughs> I, you're probably not going to see a lot of the, the flash whiz-bang stuff here. Um, what we're going to offer you in this church is God's Word, hopefully faithfully preached. We're going to offer you ourselves. We're going to offer you fellowship. And I can say this because I'm not the main guy here. we got great fellowship here. And that joy you feel when you're experiencing that fellowship, that is a taste of heaven. We offer you the sacraments. These, these little things, these everyday things. That's the prescription. And it's sort of like, the, I, I, to, to use that one more time, the... Um, 
What do they tell you when you get a prescription? What's the one really, really bad thing you can do? Stop in the middle, right? A lot of times, we'll, we'll start taking the prescriptions. We'll read the Bible. We'll be part of worship. We'll be part of fellowship. And something happens and we drift away. How many people do you know that since the pandemic, you know, maybe online church once in a while has become kind of the most they're going to do? And I'm not knocking online church. It's a blessing to be able to do that. But if you don't keep taking your medicine, you're not going to get better. And if you don't get better, you're not going to be much good for anybody else. So what I want to tell you about being a disciple maker is the same stuff, the same boring old mundane stuff you hear every week here. Read the Bible and see how amazing God is and how much He loves you. When you have questions about that, talk to people here about that and other believers that you know. That's the whole iron sharpening iron thing. Listen to God's Word preached. Take communion. Sing hymns. And that's not a knock on anybody. I just, you know. Music guy here trying to say, please sing. <coughs> Y'all, it's, it's, it's nothing radical till it is. If you do that, you commit yourself to it. You ask God to help you do it. That'll change you and that'll change the people around you. And you'll be too busy making disciples to want to worry about how to do it. Um, let's pray. Lord, we need you. We need your gospel. Make us a church that that can't wait to get in your word and can't wait to fellowship, can't wait to take the sacrament. We trust your promises that those are the things that are going to change us. And those are the things that are going to make disciples, not just of ourselves, but of those around us. Please make us that kind of church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.